kind of guy who got literally if my sister brought him home I'd be terrified I mean, <laughs> <laughs> but he- song makes me feel a little bit better than what i just watched do we go denny green here the bears are who we thought they were what's up everybody it's adam and ant coming at you what time is where you're at Ant? what time are you 12 right so it's 12 i'm in london right so it's 5 12 where i should be living right which means my son will be waking me up in two hours so looking up my son's not gonna be waking me up in two hours so i get to sleep for roughly four four and a half hours well, we're glad you soldiered it out to stick it out with us. It's 10-12 here, and it feels like it's a month from now because that game just dragged on at the end. But, you know, it's one thing we were kind of talking before we went live, Ant, uh, about the the better team won. And I think before we get into anything and before we, you know, whatever feelings, rants, complaints we might have, the, the one thing that shakes out is at the end of the day, the better team won, the more experienced quarterback had a better day. For his team, that team with a more experienced, cohesive unit of not guys who have just played together in a post a preseason had a better game. So they won. And that showed in the youth in the Bears where things started to break down and they broke down bad. And that's but, one thing that you don't see a lot. But, but, that touchdown call is given. That touchdown call is given. We are six minutes to play and there is seven points in the game. Correct? You can't live in the ifs world, though. That's It, it wasn't oh, a touchdown okay. call. And, and on the replay, you couldn't see the ball. And that's that. And after that, but what got them into that situation? A shit play call. What got them in a game where they oh, were down early? I shit play calling. So it, it's one of those disagree. where like, yeah, if if it's in, if ifs and buts were candies and nuts, then we'd all have diabetes like the rest of America. Okay. Okay. Can I go back? Can I come back? Right. That's fine, right? That's fine. You can absolutely, we, we are exactly where we say we are. But to say what I've been listening to, what I'm seeing on Twitter, what I've been seeing, and all, oh, it's the same old bit. It's not, let me finish. Yeah, I let you talk. No, I'm, just, I'm just saying Twitter's, Twitter's invalid. No, Twitter's let, the worst. <laughs> but what, what, it, what it is for me is this same old Bears talk. It wasn't. It wasn't. In the second half, the final score is 3 3. And the final score of the game is 27 10. Better team win the game. I wholeheartedly say that. No problem at all. But if we're looking for Chicago Bears to improve, if we're looking to get a better Chicago Bears team now that we had previous years, I saw that in the second half. I saw us making plays that we at least showed a bit of fight. Because if that would have been previous years, we, the game would have been 52 10. The game would have been 40, 49 10. The thing that that won the game for Green Bay without a doubt is their two running backs. Is their running game and they absolutely run us out of the off the field. And Rodgers didn't beat us, the running game beat us, right? And for me, that's encouraging in that sense. Look, quarter two was a disaster, absolute disaster. You cannot play like that to win a game of football and we deserve to lose the game. Absolutely no question, no qualms at all. <clears throat> but, <clears throat> this is my voice, but what I'm saying is that we don't have a situation where it's, Nuclear, oh, get rid of everybody, fire everybody, we're shit, this guy's shit, that guy's shit. 
we've got to know where the Chicago Bears are right now. And where the Chicago Bears are right now is one on one going into the third game of the season. That's the fact. Yeah, that, that you definitely can't take away. They are one and one, but they definitely played like dog shit today. And that's the thing that I think, like you say, they, they played better, okay, in the second half. They disappeared for two entire quarters, offensively and defensively, and their two biggest negative plays defensively in the second half were unforced errors by Green Bay. So it was good that they didn't give up, and at the end of the game, they gave us a chance. But that's that shit. Two quarters. You can't have two empty quarters if you're going to be. Seven, and that's it was where seven, the happened. It was 7-3 at the end of the first quarter to the Bears. It was one yeah, quarter. One good quarter. One no, good quarter, one, and then they disappeared. For when? The second quarter. They only disappeared for one quarter, man. The third quarter, the second half was 3-3. The second quarter is the only quarter that we got destroyed on. It is the facts. The first quarter is 7-3 to the Bears. The, the second half is 3-3. The final score is 27-10. It's all that matters. They win. But to say that it was two quarters where we were dog shit, I disagree with you, man. When, because- when you're losing by 11 points and you only score three points in the third quarter, that's not doing anything spectacular. That's, that's treading water. And this is not a team that's going to do well if they tread water all season if the defense plays like that against good offenses. But we're, but we're exactly where we thought we were going to be at the start it, of the year. I'm not arguing we, that. This is we, who we thought we were, but this is what we thought it would be. In our pre, When the schedule came out, I said they're not going to lose this game because Green Bay is going to have that whatever experience, whatever on them right now. Later in the season, I think the Bears can win because it's going to come down to chemistry and everything. But they beat us with the run game. They really exposed a lot of things in our defense. Roquan didn't play well. Our offense... What what good can we say from them outside of David Montgomery? Not much. Khalil Herbert had good yards per carry, but they didn't really run much outside of those. They didn't do much outside of those 19 carries. So it's one of those things where we we came into it thinking they're going to be a running team. They're going to do a lot of, you know, big things off of the run, but they really weren't able to establish anything. And, you know, Larry Borum was getting molly on the right side all game. And it was just one of those games where they weren't able to get anything going. And it really you know, made me kind of worried about the offensive growth because it, in a game where David Montgomery is, you know, dominating the the carries, why would you have him disappear like that? Even if you want to run some sort of, you know, mix with him and Herbert or, or have things going, but you don't take the one guy that's had your offense moving down the field out for an entire quarter and, you know, not touch the ball until into the third quarter. That's, you know, the offense stalled after that and it showed. And to only, you know, put up 10 points in this game uh, against a defense that, they didn't look great last week and they do have some players, but they're not a, a, a super strong defense by any stretch of it. And they, they absolutely dominated us in a lot of facets of the game today. I, again, I, I'm not disagreeing with the fact that they won the football game, but this doom and gloom scenario, that, that there's no doom and gloom. That, there's no doom and gloom but, at all. They played, just, they played bad. They just said that the offense was getting battered everywhere. And you're turned out. You're, you're not, you're worried about the, offense what did they do? What did the offense do? The first play, you are the first set of downs to get us down the field to go seven points in, seven points up. You can't say that was nothing. You can't come in and say, oh, we were terrible all game. This, the, my argument is I didn't that say we, we were terrible all game, but in the whole game, what did the offense do well besides run with David Montgomery? The first, the first touchdown. You can't say that that from our own 20, we moved up the field. Pass the ball, we move it to field. Now we went away from that. Don't disagree. Whether that Green Bay got better or whether that we didn't Congratulations, do you had one good drive. <laughs> But what do, what do you want then? What are we doing here then? I like, want to see growth. I want to see I want to see development. I want to see the running game not disappear when the running game's but working. But we, before but we do we this, see- I'm going to bring in two other people because we're going to be a broken record all game. We've got two two writers, JD and Evan, and I want to get their opinion on this because I'm not saying doom and gloom when I say they didn't play well today. And they were not a good football team today outside of David Montgomery running. They had a good first drive. Congratulations. If my penis was an inch longer, I could be a porn star. But th- I- that doesn't matter. 
that doesn't matter because the whole game, the entire game, we don't play in quarters. Uh, the Bears would have beat Aaron Rodgers in the Percocet game if we just played it in segments, but we don't. It's an entire game. And in the entire game, we scored three points in the second half when we were chasing 11 points. That's not great. But that's that. it's not doom and gloom. It's just that's where we are right now. I expect growth. I think we're an eight or nine win team. That's a difference. It's not doom and gloom to, to, to have that be our reality. But we're going to bring J.D. and Evan in to see where their feelings are on this game, too, because unfortunately they're poor suckers who decided to stay awake for this as well. <laughs> it was feeling good for a while. What's oh, Hold on. What's up, fellas? We got J.D. right there, and we've got Evan. So we're going to start with J.D. Just kind of uh, let's start with what your, your feelings are of what you just saw. You know, we were all feeling pretty confident about what we were going into we thought we were going to see a lot more, you know, offensive prowess, maybe, you know, a little bit more stiffness on the defense. And it just seemed to hit a wall at some point. But, you know, what were your feelings of what you saw kind of start to finish, you know, whole game or if you want, if there were certain things you liked, you know, I, I love positive. So bring them out. Sure. So thanks for having me on again, guys. This is great. Um, we're all suckers for staying up to watch this one tonight. <laughs> but uh, so to start off with positives, I thought the Bears came out firing on all cylinders. The first few minutes of the first I think quarter, that's what got me great. down. Yes, it came out and and there was hope for that moment. There was that first touchdown scored. I'm high-fiving the kids before bed. You know, hey, go on. This is great. And then, thankfully, they went to bed before things turned ugly. But um, I think, positively speaking, for me, really, I think there's there's probably three things that stand out. The, the way they started the game was strong. Um, defensively, God, it, there's a lot of negatives we'll come back to, but a lot of hustle on that side of the ball tonight, you know, on plays where you might've seen the give up in the past. You know, I, I don't think I've seen Eddie Jackson run that hard in three years. Um, you know, depending on, you know, even on blown assignments, he would still, you know, just gun it to the ball, which is great to see for the defense. Uh, and then last thing that just became like, a, Hey, this is great is the offensive line seemed to kind of pick up where they left off in terms of the running game prowess, especially in the second half. Now, you know, someone could come around and say, well, okay, the Packers are probably just defending the pass because the Bears are in a deep hole, and that's when you throw the ball. <laughs> um, so maybe they're not expecting the run quite like the Bears were shoving it down their throat. But, hey, it doesn't matter. The offensive line took care of business the way they should have. Uh, I also completely forgot about this one. It seemed like after the halftime, adjustments were made in the locker room, clearly, because that team came out a different team in the third quarter than they were going in. And I, I thought that was something that happened last week against San Francisco. I think that speaks well to the coaching that we have in the room, and I think that's great. For me, the single biggest letdown of this game is all the things that we saw for positives out of week one disappeared in week two. You know, there was a lot in the way of missed tackles. I was driven mad by the number of missed tackles. You know, yeah, the Packers pick up eight on first down on the ground. We should have stopped them for a loss of two, but they broke through that one and no one was there behind them. And it just felt like, you know, lack of discipline, lack of form tackles, kind of those fundamentals. And I guarantee they're going to hear about it all week, if not on the plane ride home um, from Flus, because that's exactly what he's going to get into them about. You know, guys, we didn't do the stuff that you're supposed to do if you expect to win a football game. So uh, I'm going to turn it over and let Evan jump in here uh, just because, you know, I'm, I could do this for 30 more minutes, but I'm not going to. Yeah, appreciate it, GD. And thanks for having me on again, guys. Um, Look, I said when I came on last week, there's going to be ups and downs in the season. Uh, this is obviously a down, but you know that, that they're just going to happen. Um, I think I'll start with the, with the bad and move on to the good to end it on a positive note. But I think you know when you lose guys like like Akeem Hicks, Eddie Goldman, you're you're going to give up to the run every now and then, and we saw that happen tonight. You know, and you said we weren't beaten by Aaron Rodgers. 
That was because we didn't have to be beaten by Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers did not need to beat us tonight. The run just destroyed us. And unfortunately, um, he was never needed. Um, I think I think there was a lot of, I know, I think you're right, JD, in saying that the coaching kind of mentality and the coaching kind of culture is coming out in the players, even though, you know, we saw missed tackles. But some of the decisions tonight, some of the play calling, especially after the first drive, was really just disappointing. We went away from what worked, it seemed. Um, and I guess the other thing that's on my mind is the goal of this season is not necessarily to win games. It's, it's, it's good to win games and it's good to get that winning culture and the winning mentality into the team. The, the primary goal this season, in my mind, the number one goal is to develop Justin Fields. He passed the ball 11 times tonight. The Jets had Joe Flacco today pass the ball 44 times. That's a team, obviously, that was behind. They had to come back, but so are we. And I understand that the run is, is where the game was going and it was, it was strong. But ultimately, you know, David Montgomery is not the future of this franchise. The future of this franchise is Justin Fields. And we need to develop him and we need to get him used to big nights in Lambeau where you're behind and you got to come back. And, you know, it just it, it hurts just not to like let him get the opportunity to, to try and take that and, and go forward. Um, to move on to some positives, I thought the O-line was great tonight. I, I really did. You know, I think that they established themselves up front. They gave Fields a decent amount of time when he was, you know, trying to get the ball out of the pocket. I thought he was a bit slow getting the ball out. Um, but overall, they 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 dominated the, the Packers, especially in that one drive where we got to the uh, got to the uh, end zone. But we, we we officially didn't get to the end zone according to the referees. Um, but you know, I thought they were really positive. I thought the pass rush was pretty strong as well. Um, I mean, I think it was I think 76 is Runyon, I think. I mean, I think he was hold sorry about the, the noise. I think he was holding four or five times. I caught two of them on video that were just not called. I think that third and eleven late in the game was it was outrageous and he wasn't called. Uh, but I thought the pass rush was pretty good as well. Um, you know, Kyler Gordon had a tough night, but you're you're gonna have some of those. Um, but overall, you know. I, I just wish we would try and give more fields more opportunities, even if it results in a loss or results in bad plays. I think we really need to do that because his development is key for this season. Can I say something on that? If this yeah, was any, if this was any other team, if we were playing any other team, we were playing the 49ers, we were playing not not the Packers in Lambeau, it was somebody else. I feel we'd have a little bit of a different opinion on this game. I, I really do. I think we're. As Chicago Bears fans, we've got PTSD around Lambeau and Aaron Rodgers and the team and that team and go up there and their fans and all that kind of stuff. And me included within that conversation. I don't think we played well tonight. I'm not sitting here like a homer saying we played well at all. But I think there's a lot of stuff there that is being moved past. Look, Getty makes a terrible call on a half a yard from the from the end zone. A terrible call. Absolutely terrible call. Without a shadow of a doubt. But the calls leading up to that, how we ran the ball, how we schemed, how we brought Blazingame, Blazing, I can't even pronounce his name, the fullback into it, creating holes for the likes of Herbert and Montgomery to do that. Should he have done that in the second quarter? 100% he should. But he should also get credit for the fact that we got to where he got to by how he was doing, the, how he was running the football. And I know what you're going to say, Adam, I know it's going to say, we score on that touchdown, we're six minutes to go, and we're seven points behind after all the errors that we've spoken about just now. All right. So again, didn't happen. That's life went on, Rodgers went on and threw a holding call that throws a massive bomb down the field, game over. But the reason why I'm saying it's not all doom and gloom is that this is what we kind of expected from this team to make mistakes on and off the field. Like, gets his first year play calling and he was exposed a little bit tonight. 
absolutely no problem with saying that and admitting that. And I think defensively, the tackles were shockingly bad, except for Eddie Jackson, who I said, whoever said it, Eddie Jackson played really well tonight. I have a lot I of think, stars next to his name on my notes. Yeah, he played really well. I think Brisker played well. I think, yeah, as Evan rightly said, I think I think uh, Kyler Gordon will learn a hell of a lot from tonight because he was he was found out a little bit and he was he was targeted regularly. Didn't go near Jalen surprisingly, but I I just there's there's a lot for me to be positive going into week three, and everybody, including me, was saying we'd be zero and two going into week three, and we're not. And, and I get let the it, record show that on our prediction show I said one and one, but you did. You know. I will accept that. I will accept <laughs> that. You you did say one and one, um, but it's it, it's just. I, I just find this, if it was any other team, by, the, by them, if it's any other team, we're looking at stuff going, okay, that was better, that was better, that was okay. I'm, I'm not so sure about that, though, because, and, and we've got another one of our writers in here, Marcus, and we'll bring him in after I uh, talk about this. And feel free, fellas, if you guys want to hang out for this as well. It's late. we got a lot to talk about. Um, so if you guys want to hang out once we bring Marcus in, feel free, and we'll make it a, a right party here. But, uh, you know, for, for me, the thing is, is it's just, it's not who we played or anything like that. It's just, it's the way it was played. And I think Evan, your point, uh, kind of mixing with JD's point uh, about, it was real unfortunate to see where we were at the start of week one, how we ended the start of week one, and then just kind of how we fell off a cliff in the middle of that game. And yes, there again was a good drive where we got into scoring position and almost scored, but that's something. And, and you have to remember there's youth on the coaching staff too. His youth might've come through where things started working. So he wanted to open things up a little bit. I have the very first note I took. I wrote kiss, keep it simple, stupid. Cause the only time they were moving down the field was when Luke Getze was making things easy for himself and his offense, whether that's running or whatever. And I see a comment from Connor over here on YouTube that, you know, is kind of the perfect point of it's little things like, why didn't we see more play action when the run started working? that second and third quarter where we weren't really moving, those would have been great ways once we would bring Montgomery and they think we're going to run. And then later in the game, you know, we start running again. We're running it down their throat. If they have to respect the run, why not try to utilize that more? And it really sucked that we didn't see that when things started going again. And I think that's the, the problem is it's that gap. But that's where you, again, hope much like you hope that some of these young players like Kyler Gordon are going to take a good hard look at the tape and understand what went wrong and grow from it. You hope that this coaching staff can get together as well. And Luke Getze can look at this and go, man, I really effed up not sticking with Monty in that one. As much as we really wanted to get Herbert going, as much as we really wanted to open the, up the passing game, after that first three and out, maybe reconsider. After that second three and out, what the hell? After that third one, come on, man. Like, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to realize. You, Matt Patricia could figure it out. Um, we'll pull the pencil from the ear. So it, it's one of those things where it, it was just kind of tough to see that, that um, the disjointed approach to offense. I don't want to say broken because it wasn't broken because there were high spots. There were times where it looked like they were moving with ease, but then they'd hit that wall over and over. And that's, you know, the, the disjointed approach. You hope that you've got those draws against Houston and, and New York coming up. And, and that could just be what the doctor ordered after a week like this. You take a good hard look at that tape as a team and you come out against two teams who are fairly on your level by most people's uh, opinions and, and, you know, What's what can you do? Just go out there and prove people you're not as bad as you looked last week and, and do it again on a level playing field. But we're going to bring Marcus in, who's sitting over here in the waiting room, and uh, we're going to get Marcus's opinion. What's up, Marcus? How you doing? Doing great. Well, doing better now, now that we're <laughs> able to have a little group therapy session. But sure. we kind of started things off just talking about, you know, 
what you saw. There was a lot to process. There were a lot of ups and downs in this game. Uh, not quite the tale of two halves that we were used to from week one, but definitely, you know, a, a, a very ebby and flowy kind of game. So, you know, what what did you see? What did you notice? How did you feel? We just kind of went over some goods and bads of things that we we saw and just, you know, our, our general observation from a, a game like that. Sure. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, as I was waiting to come on, hearing Evan speak, he hit on a lot of the points that I had from watching the game. Um, it was frustrating, right? Hoping, you know, at any moment, and I get it, you know, you want to kind of contain your own young quarterback in fields and and not let him make mistakes that'll cost you the game. But I think that was the hardest pill for me to swallow watching this game is that, you know, the more and more you watch fields and I watched him in college, I'm an Ohio state fan as well, but you realize that you've got to let him, you've just got to let him play. You've got to let his playmaking uh, kind of speak for itself and, and let him take that natural development over. And, and I feel, I felt like watching this game, he was constrained by the scheme almost bringing me back to last year. And I don't want to name, I don't want to name that coach. I know we, we take the Baltimore approach that. now. It's he who, he who shall not be named. <laughs> there you go. That's perfect. I mean, I felt like that's what it was. I felt like, you know, in we were playing from fear in the game plan a little bit. You've got to get them going early. You've got to get fields going early and let them just feel good. And I, I watched that in the 49ers game. Um, and you could see in the very beginning, you know, Fields was a little bit hesitant in that game until, you know, he started to kind of catch his groove. And that's one thing. If if I'm looking at this, yeah, Fields can make mistakes and, and that can put you behind. But you've got to get him feeling confident and feel his swag, if you will. And and that was frustrating for me. I mean, other notes of the game. Um, yeah, I think there were some bright spots, bright spots in our player. Um, Ant mentioned, you know, Eddie Jackson played a hell of a game. Um, the more I Definitely. watch him this year, it's almost like a different player overall. I love the way he's attacking the ball. I love the way that he's, you know, he's being aggressive and he's obviously playing with something, something to prove, which is excellent. Um, Gordon, it's funny. I watched uh, one of the training camp videos where I think it was, um, gosh, it was Johnson telling, um, telling Gordon, hey, you know, when that wide receiver makes his moves at the line of the scrimmage, you just keep your eye on his waist and you don't move. He's trying to get, you know, he's trying to fool you. But I saw that happen in this game. And that was a little frustrating because Gordon, you know, he fell for the same thing. And um, like Ant said, you know, he was getting picked on. Um, but, you know, any young cornerback is going to go through those stages early on and get tested early on and probably – for the most part, go through the same nuances uh, early in their career as what we saw happen to Gordon tonight. Um, so I'll live with that. Uh, Trevor Gibson, I mean, hell of a game. I mean, again, he shows up and shows up big. That to me, you know, it's it's players like that, that it's like, okay, we all knew coming into this year, this was not the year. Um, obviously, you know, knowing what we know with salary cap and all those things that we've all talked about and has all been all over Twitter, but we know that we're trying to build into next year and, and beyond. So looking at the bright spots and look, I'm from Green Bay, guys. So this hurts real, real hard. You have no idea. My phone's been blowing up in group text messages from guys I grew up with back home. And and, uh, you know, so that's the hardest part. You know, I want these games against the Packers more than anything. We all do. But, um, yeah, you know, I don't know. It's, it's hard to take bright spots. There were more individual bright spots and certain players than it was in the game overall. The, yeah, the, I, I think, think the biggest sorry, just really quickly, and I think that, you know, the biggest bright spot, like you said, though, and it kind of goes back to Ant's point earlier 
which puts a bow on our discussion that kind of kicked off the show is that it is all about the future. So when you see a guy like Travis Gibson uh, come in there and, and, you know, get some sacks and rush a sack through a hold and still take down the guy that it feels like we couldn't even hit for the last few years outside of Khalil Mack, um, you know, it, it's good. It's good when you see those young guys. And it's uh, you mentioning about uh, Kyler Gordon, just want to tie it back to an old show we had. We actually had Kayla Olin um, from uh, University of Washington, a reporter up there, and she is friends with Kyler Gordon. And we asked her, what's the one thing that's going to frustrate Bears fans the most? And she said his propensity to take risks because he relies a lot on his athleticism. And that's what you're seeing now. And that's where, again, you look at the coaching and you, you just hope that this staff sees that. And that's what they can get right, because that's been a known problem for him. And we were expecting Kendall Vildor all day to be the guy that was going to get picked on. And then go figure it's it's Kyler Gordon, whose name's being called all day chasing number, you know, number six chasing. So mm-hmm. it, it's interesting how that works out. But, you know, it's funny you mentioned that, which you saw, because that's exactly what she told us is probably going to be the one thing that's going to require the most growth in his rookie year. I also think as well, the, the big point, and, and Marcus made it well with um, Gibson, we got them at, at second and 28. You can't give away a first down on that. And that, that for me, that for me, is that for me changed the whole game. Because at yeah. that point, I think it's 7-3 and we got them on second and 28. If we can get them off the field, now suddenly we've got a little bit of momentum going into it. Instead, they get down there, they, they kill out the first quarter and then they score from the first play of the second quarter and it just goes downhill from then because momentum goes. To go back to Marx's point about, about Justin, that is the one big worry for me. That was the one big worry out of it. And the other big worry is that Marcus's point about letting Justin play, but but yet again, Mooney was dead, dead quiet, nothing. Yet again, Komet was nothing. And Pringle was nothing in this game. I mean, the only the only player on our offense that seemed to try and get free all the time was St. Brown. And <clears throat> there's one play they were saying that Justin didn't see him and he would have been free all the way. But that's the worrying part. I think that Justin, when he was free, didn't have anyone to find or didn't see them. And it depends on what you see in the, in the All-22. But that's a real worrying part. So... Well, I get what you're saying about about the scheme and getting him out of the pocket, getting him on the move, and getting him getting him passing. I just worry about yeah, exactly minus four yards to Mooney and commit. I just worry about what our special special talents that are meant to be in this offense are going to do. Because then what happened was when those guys weren't being used or those guys weren't part of the the, the game, then we had no choice but to run the football because there was nothing else. Uh, it's the one thing that everyone's been saying about us, our wide receiver core and, and everything that we've given him no weapons. Well, if you if that's the train you were on before this game, you've created a massive juju walking into the, into mon- into tomorrow morning because that is exactly what happened. We lost the game because is, Justin couldn't find it. It yeah. is a big day for the Darnell Mooney is a WR 3-4 on a good team yep. crowd. That's for sure. Yeah. Yep. There's a... Uh... I think overall the theme for this whole, this entire weekend for the coaches and for the players is going to be missed opportunities. You know, we had him in second 28. We had him behind the line of scrimmage here. We had him beat there and we missed him. We had this, we had that, we didn't take advantage. You know, one thing we haven't said because, you know, it's one of those things you hate to do, especially as a Bears fan, is the Packers have a very talented defense. That That is a very stacked lineup on the other side of the ball. And I think they made it their priority tonight to shut down Mooney and commit and force fields to take his third option, force him to get to read number three, read number four on his progressions. And then the way I look at it is I think that especially in this kind of matchup, this is one of those things where, you know, 
they are very familiar with what Luke Getze is going to probably be looking at calling, leaning on, because Getze just worked in this system for a few years. He knows the system inside and out. This is what he comes from. And likewise, we're in the same boat. So I think sometimes the play calling that Getze was working with seemed a little bit like this is out of character for the offense. I wonder if it's solely to catch people off guard. Even the goal line play was one of those moments where I, looking back at it, I hated it. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I hate the idea of starting five yards behind the goal line when you're four inches away. But that being said, I don't think Mustafer on Kenny Clark is the matchup I want to depend on right there at the goal line. And so what they did was they actually made running back is now a fullback and they pulled Lucas Patrick from the right side and said, that's your guy to follow. And Patrick was supposed to clear the path. You got another running back in front of you to make it happen. And even though he didn't clear the line, I understand what they were doing there, but I think there's so many moments where they're going to go, we missed an obvious moment. We missed that, you know, the keep it simple, stupid. Like that just needs to be yeah. printed on someone's helmet. But the part that worries me the most, and we guys have already mentioned it here, is that they're just not letting fields play, more or less. You know, like the all-time, you know, Peyton Manning had one of the all-time worst rookie seasons ever. I think he still holds the record with like 29 interceptions thrown his rookie year because they just let him out there and said, throw the ball. He has to figure out what throws he can make, what throws he can't make, what reads he needs to be able to see, which ones he can't see. He, only letting Fields throw the ball 11 times a game isn't going to get him to that point. They're eventually just going to need to do what Houston did with Deshaun Watson a few years ago, put him in shotgun and say you're throwing the ball 40 times a game because we've got to see what you can do. Like, you know, the... I don't know if anybody remembers uh, back in, you know, whatever, 2017, you know, before Watson tore his ACL and was shut down for the rest of the year. He had that huge game against Seattle when they still had like the tail end of that Legion of Boom defense. And he had like, you know, 400 yards, four touchdowns. He also had like three interceptions, but no one cares about the interception line because he looked so good in all the positives because they just let him keep throwing the ball. And yeah, it helps. He's got DeAndre Hopkins on that roster to help bail him out of a few situations. Exactly. But exactly. Exactly. But you've got to let him go. You got to let him go. To and who? To who? Let, let him go. To who? Kemet was nothing. Mooney was nothing. Two games in a row. So I, I agree with you. I lo- Justin throw the ball. I, I'm, I'm on that train. But to who? So hold on, hold on. So, last, last, last week I made this exact point, and and you told me it doesn't matter who it is as long as they're yep. there's, there's, yep. Yeah, so, that's fair. No, but, but the thing is, like, you're not giving them targets. It's not about like that's, yeah. you're not targeting them. That's the they are your Mooney is your best receiver, hands down. I, 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 I he is. If you're not even throwing him the ball, not giving him the opportunity, he he had one long. I don't even know if you consider it a target because I don't know how I don't know what the official rule is and what a target is considered, how many yards it has to be within. But you're not getting them the ball. You're not getting the opportunities. We tried this, you know, screen to Mooney, which ended up in his in his stat line, which was the minus four yards. That was probably trying to just get him in the game, get something going. But at the end of the day, you, you got to just try and get them the ball. Uh, and and Kamed had a drop. Uh, he probably should have caught. Uh, but it, it just, they are the two guys that when we start the season, we said these are the two guys that are going to be on this offense for the next five years, at least. And we're not getting the ball. And it, you, I, I love what JD says. Like, you're going to make mistakes. It's going to happen. But just let, let them make the mistakes. They're young. We're not expected to win. If we get a good draft pick, hey, let's that's great. It's a bonus. But I just we need to develop this offense. We've never really had that guy. And we need that guy. And without that development, it's not gonna happen. And I think that's really the the key is it's it's not about them being open because we know there is 
you know, you go up against Jair Alexander. We don't have anyone who's probably going to outplay Jair Alexander a whole game. But it's like he said, it's about the targets. 11 dropbacks. You're not going to learn much about your quarterback, about any of your future potential pieces, about anything without dropping back more. And you can still learn a lot about Justin Fields, even if the stats look like shit based on the tape. Because if he's throwing to a receiver, making the right read, doing all the right things, but then a receiver, you know, gets bodied for a ball or drops a ball or something like that, you can still look at the tape and go, okay, his read was this. This is what he saw. It's not going to give anybody hope for the future outside of a coaching staff who's breaking down that tape. But at least you know what you're looking at. You know that he can process things correctly. And I think that's the hard part about a game with 11 passes. Mitch Trubisky throws nine passes. Nobody bats an eye because you don't want to see him throw more passes. Justin Fields throws 11 passes. You wonder why they don't trust him to throw the ball more. That's the problem. And that's that's where it gets a little screwy because we've got this prince who was promised and all this hype about, you know, we're going to utilize him and we're going to run and do all this great stuff and open up the passing game. And they ran 27 times and they passed the ball 11 times. And there were not a lot of high quality passes in there. You know, you had, they had the deep attempt. It was one time where they had enough time to, to make a play deep downfield like that, the drop by Komet where it's like, hey, they're getting him involved. Nope, nope, okay, all right, he dropped it. Let's let's go on. And it's like once it didn't work a couple times, they just stopped doing it. And that's what really sucks because the only way we're going to know what he can do is by forcing him to do it, even if he doesn't want to. You don't want to eat your vegetables. I don't care. I want you to grow up big and strong. Eat your damn vegetables, Justin. That's where I'm at with this, and I don't even have a kid. <laughs> the, the thing is, too, is, is look, you know, how, how do you get better? I mean, how do you Correct. get better? You don't get better running the ball. I mean, for field's sake. I mean, you just don't. And uh, look, I'll equate it to this. I mean, how do you learn how to talk to girls at the bar? You go, you try, you fail. You learn what not to say. And then eventually you learn what works. I mean, that's what he has to do. And, and, and that's the hardest part. But yeah, to go back to that and just to kind of sum it up on my end, that what Evan said and what JD said there is, is 100%. And um, yeah, you got to throw the ball. You have to, but I, I would my because I seem to be batting for the other side at the moment. So I'm going to come back and that and say, yeah, we played San Francisco 49ers and we played the Green Bay Packers in Lambeau. If we're having the exact same conversation next week when we play when we play Houston, I'll be all on your train. I'll be saying, what the hell is going on? But I, some reason, I say we play the next two games and we will see a lot more development because for me, the development of Justin Fields isn't on playing the Packers in Lambeau isn't on playing the 49ers. And we it's won about the playing quarterback, and he didn't play quarterback today. He didn't play quarterback, yeah. We played two games. That's, but he did, today what, he did not play quarterback, and that's don't the disagree, point. I don't disagree with you, but but to, to then turn around and, like, we got to also look at the longevity of the whole season as well. I, look, I'm trying to play on both sides. I'm trying to say to the scenario of it where, yeah, Marks is right. If we're gonna if we're gonna run the football, that's not gonna be to the best of Justin Fields' development. The two lads are correct. If we're gonna try and get to the situation where we want to have um Justin Fields' development be the number one thing, then what we have shown in the first two weeks of the season is not going to do that. Don't disagree with you. I genuinely believe this coaching staff went up to Lambo thinking they were going to win the game. Now whether that's whether that's madness, whether that's false, or that's that's not and they believed the best way to win the game was to run the football. Now again. We may not agree with that, but I have a feeling that's what they thought going into it. And it didn't work and it fell back. But that's probably where it now needs to get to the point where the coaches, what I want to hear from the coaches now is, now this season's about developing Justin Fields because we've seen where we are now. We've seen where our biggest rivals are and they're miles ahead of us. 
So, so now is the time that we need to develop develop Justin Fields. And that's why next week is really important. Because if he chose 11 passes next week and we run the football all day and we win the game, then that is not what we should be doing. I would be all on the same conversation as you guys if that happens. Are you ready to okay, see the now, other half of this balancing act? Let's see if he asks the yeah. same question. I'll let you go, JD. Okay. Go ahead. So, so here's here's the balancing act, right? So Matt Eberflus comes in, and, and he's setting a whole new culture, and he's got a young team, and they've got to buy in. And the first way you get people to buy in is, number one, you win. People will always buy in if you win. And number two, you have to say what you're doing is working, and you're actively trying to win the football game. I do think that Ant's got the right idea. They think running the ball is what was going to win them the football game tonight. That was the weakness on the Packers defense. They were just going and that's going to be their bread and butter most of the season is running, which is a hundred percent. It's it's good for this young offensive line. It's good to get Justin set up with play action. All those things. It 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 helps out in so many ways. That all being said, the minute that you come out as a coaching staff and say, okay, this season is about developing Justin, you kind of send the opposite message to the team. Now you're basically saying. We don't care about winning. We just want Justin to get some reps so that we know what we have. And hopefully he takes the next step. Kind of one of those, like, I'm going to shoot myself in the foot this season because I think it's going to be the long-term bet that we need to win for the next 10. And a lot of teams have done that and have navigated those waters because in year two and three, those quarterbacks make the turn and then everybody's on board again. Who cares? But it's a weird balancing act that the coaching staff's got to be on for the next season or two, really, is – okay, we want to win football games, but we also want Justin to develop. And those two are not always going to go hand in hand at times. And so it's it's weird. And there's plenty of room for criticism on both sides. We can easily sit here all night and debate which way is the right way to go. But I do think that the Bears, based on everything we've heard from Iberflus, thought they were going to go up to Green Bay and they were going to win. And that was going to be through the running game, through ground and pound, through controlling the clock, not letting A-Rod touch the ball, you know, all those things that they that historically have worked against Green Bay, they just couldn't do it tonight. A lot of, you know, just a lot of failures in their game plan once executed on the field. And that is, I think, the delicate balancing act is it's, you know, committing to the future while also I genuinely believe this coaching staff thinks they can win 17 games this year. That even with this loss, they probably think they can still win 17 games. And I love that. I absolutely love that. And the second we hired Blues, that was the first thing that some of the reporters were saying was this guy is going to make you think that you can win even when you have no business winning. Um, but, you know, you, you talk about opening him up against the next two teams because they're weaker. I think I just would have liked to see him, even if he failed miserably, just take a chance, even if it was just 20 passes against a good defense like this. So then you kind of get that gauge of when you go against those bad teams, because how many good games have we had against bad teams with bad quarterbacks in the past? That's that's just the standard. I expect him to have good games against bad teams, but just to see where he's at. So you can build from that, build on it against the bad teams. And then when you face the good teams, you're there instead of starting next week with, hey, here's 30 passing opportunities. Let's see where you're at. Let's figure it out at New York. And then, you know, it, it just I feel like it robbed them against the good defense to see how he looks against a good defense, because the next two weeks, they're not that great. I don't disagree with that. At all, absolutely, totally agree with you. And I think there was a. I don't need like fifty passes though. Don't get me wrong on that. I, you know, <laughs> because, because, just a couple because, more, just to to see some schemes and concepts and how they work and how they flow. I agree with what JD said. I think there was a lot of missed opportunities, and I think if if you're looking at missed opportunities, that is definitely one that he didn't get to, get to pass a football. And I think there's com- conversations that needs to be had in wide receiver rooms, and I think there's conversations that needs to be had with in tight end rooms about them of them developing themselves as well. I I, I don't disagree with that. I just my brain felt that they I thought they 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 thought that they were going to win the game by doing this, and therefore it was Chicago. And this is what 
polls has been saying all along, and it's probably where the, where the fans differ to, to polls. Polls says we're going to do what's best, what we believe is best for the Chicago Bears. And I don't think they believe developing Justin Fields is for the best of Chicago Bears. I believe they, they think the way they win a football game is how it's going to be best for the Chicago Bears. While the fan base are sitting there with the shiny new gold toy and going, we want him to play now. And we that's all we care about. We And me included. All we care about is seeing yeah. Justin Fields throw the ball 150,000 yards. That's what we want. That's all we want. We lose the game, we don't care. We just want to see Justin throw the ball. That's where the Bears fan base and this coaching staff massively differ. Because if, <laughs> it's going to sound really weird, if Fluce turns around the polls and says, I don't think this is our quarterback, polls will, will trade him. Like, oh, yeah. whether anyone that's the facts because that's what they've done and this is something that that is it's almost getting to the stage where Justin needs to put his hand up. I mean, that's extreme but I think it's it's. I get your point about playing Houston and him scoring loads of points and it'll be amazing that I agree with you next big game is our is our test for Justin Fields and it's I just want to see something different um, going into that I get that I totally agree I just thought tonight I'm probably one of the massively weird people, but I thought there was positives in there that I can take forward. And the biggest one of all is we didn't quit. And I'm so at, at halftime. Yeah, the what finish was, it, 20, was impressive, to be 20, honest, with how flat they looked. The finish was great. Twenty-seven, seven, or whatever the halftime score was. That's any other team in the last four years. That's in the forties. And it's embarrassing. It's beyond embarrassing. And I saw one of the guys quoting here saying it was embarrassing. I totally disagree. I don't think tonight was embarrassing. I really don't. I think there was lots to work on. And there was lots that were done wrong, but it was nowhere near embarrassing. That's just my opinion. It, it gave us a blueprint that. on the weaknesses. Go ahead, Evan. Yeah. You know, like the offensive line tonight, if we if we go positive here, they were great. Like they set the pace, especially in those, those two drives where Montgomery was just flying down the field. Like, they showed a, a a bit on Kenny Clark at one point where he had 12 pass rush snaps. He hadn't gotten close to fields. And they were really good. And, and this is a put-together offensive line. Like, if we went back to, I don't know, February, let's say, when the Super Bowl ended, and you told us this is what the Bears' offensive line is going to be week two in Lambeau, you would have been like, we're going to get absolutely mauled. And they didn't. And, and, and you know, I thought that that's a, a real positive that came out of the game for sure. Um on the balancing act, like it's it's so tough. I mean, it's been done so many times, and and it's gone well sometimes, not gone well other times. When you talk about you know letting Fields play against Houston next week, the first game that popped into my mind as soon as you said that was Trubisky Tampa at home Bay. to Tampa Bay, <laughs> and that is you know probably the peak of his his Chicago Bears career, and it's great and i think it could be a really you know good good game to to build confidence and and for fields to, to move on but you're not gonna learn when you when you get a five touchdown game against the, the houston texans how much you're gonna learn I, I i really don't know i think it'll be good for them to build chemistry and you know get a winning mentality in the locker room but i i don't know i i think that they're, they're you know you have to let them go and let them play but at the end of the day if the run is working next week they're going to run the ball, and I, I think that's completely fine because I, um, I, I just I don't think that they go into different games thinking, okay, well, this is a bad defense. We're going to let Justin play today. I think they go into games and think, like you said, how can we win the game? And if winning the game means not playing Justin Fields, and that's their priority, that's it. And but, like you said, that could be where we differ. But I'm confused now. I'm confused now. Do we want Justin to throw the ball forty times? Again? We do. Like, 
Is that what you, but I don't think that I don't think people wanting him to pass means a majority of people are asking him to throw the ball 40 times. You should not be throwing I'm 11 times in a I'm modern exactly, NFL. Exactly, 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 20 or 30, 20 or 30 passes and 30, 30 carries for your, your backfield split the split the offense. Like the running game opens up the passing game. The fact that they're not running any passing game off the running game, you have four more passes that are play actions. What more could your offense have potentially done there? Even four passes to make it 15 and a respectable number could have potentially done more if you're doing it off the run that was successful but a successful run game alone is not going to win you football games you have to have that second element and that's the problem is they did run well and they never did anything off of that so they had the green piece like i always talk about they had the green piece for the legos and they never put any freaking blocks on it man <laughs> no i don't disagree with that don't disagree with that but I, I, I definitely i if, I know there are some people who are like, he's got to throw it 40 or 50 times. We're screwed if that's the case. If that's the case, and, and the, just based on the talent on this team alone. But, you know, even if it's uh, 20 passes a game just to get things started, just to see where it's at, because the running game's doing well. But at some point, you're going to need to lean on him and then suddenly go from, you know, 11 passes to 30 or 40 in a game when your offense has really only relied on on the run game exclusively. That's tough. So I think it's just more about finding the balance. I understand the exaggeration part of it, but I do know because there were people today on Twitter. Well, Twitter again, we don't talk about Twitter, but people, you know, why, why aren't, why isn't he passing it more? We should be passing it like th these teams and they're listing teams where it's all quarterback play where we don't have a guy of that caliber yet. So, you know, we need to pump the brakes there a little bit, but it's definitely just about finding that balance. And I, I think it's a multiple balance now because you've got the run game, the pass game and winning the game. And, and the coaches are going to, you know, Getsy's going to have to find the perfect meld for running and passing. And then Eberflus is going to have to work with him about the best way to get that offense to win games this year while also kind of figuring out all these young pieces that are really brought in for auditions for next year. So it is kind of a lot of plates spinning on the stick and the circus act and everything right now. And, you know, like you said, you're going into every game looking to win, whether it's Houston or whatever. And you just hope that the young guys here can gain a little bit of juice playing against these teams because they're having fun going out, competing and hopefully competing. Well, don't want to put the cart before the horse on that one. But, you know, you hope they go out there and they have a little bit of fun and they, they, they feel that confidence and that chemistry start to develop a little bit more after a game like this. Look, I'm just cranky because it's 4:57 in the morning. Um, you're a you're a warrior, man. You're I'm an just, absolute warrior. Just, we need to put I'm you on this defense. Tired. I'm just a up. tired, grumpy old man. So don't take much into. And I'm also trying to play devil's advocate to go and get conversations going. But I love the, it. The other the other the other thing that I, I I wanted to say is, for me, the biggest disappointment the last of the two weeks has been our leaders. Like it was mentioned earlier on, and Roquan was poor, and our leaders in our defense, and. Again, because I've been critical of Eddie Jackson for three years, I say, I'm going to say it again. Eddie Jackson was sen sensational for me tonight. And he was a leader tonight. And he was he was getting people into positions. And he was working with Brisker. And you could see him talking with Brisker. And we should have from, a segment on Wednesday's show called I'm Sorry, Eddie Jackson. And I, all I, the I've hosts it, have I, to apologize to I've him. Done it, I've done it twice. I've already <laughs> done it twice. I got, I got the guy on Twitter who loves Eddie Jackson basically quoting my quotes back to me yeah. last week. It was brilliant. To be fair to him, it was brilliant. He did it in like 10 seconds. But for me, for me, that's a, that's a big piece of our of our armor that that we can't have Roquan playing like Morrow outplayed Roquan today. He just did. Like and and you were looking you, for us to win football games. We need our leaders to be exactly what they were. Like the touchdown in the start of the second quarter, Roquan just misses misses the, the read and and then makes it worse by jumping in. And you're like, okay, you're now putting massive pressure on your rookie guys to perform and. I think that's something that we need to speak about as well is that on D 
there were certain parts that looked great. Dominic Robinson looked good again. I think I think the, the pressure that was taken was was put on by by all the edge rushers. I even thought up front, right, the run game was getting blitzed, but every so often they would stuff it. And then we give away something silly, and we give away maybe a stupid penalty, or we'd we give away a pass play. But overall, I think our, our defensive leaders need to step up as well, and and there needs to be questions asked to those guys too. Yeah, I think a lot can be said about Roquan's day to day, and you know he wanted to get paid like Lakers Shaquille, and he was playing like Boston Celtics Celtic Shaquille. <laughs> For those of you who like basketball, you'll get that one. But uh, it, it's just it's tough things like that, like you said, because we we've had a lot of positives with the young guys, and. You know, you expect a game like that from Kyler Gordon against a quarterback yeah. like this who's been known to, you know, play mind games and be able to dissect guys like that. But you you don't expect that from a guy like Roquan Smith who made this whole show about wanting to be perceived as one of the best linebackers in the game and then lays an absolute dud in a game like this where, you know, he really needed to be relied on. The will in this defense against the run game is immaculately invaluable. And, and he just didn't show up. And it's really hard to kind of see that. Um, you know, I had his name in, in big letters and then a couple of guys who performed kind of poorly. But then, like you said, Ant, the way they finished, I crossed off a lot of names because there were guys where it's like, how badly do they want to be out there? And they finished with a fervor. And that made me feel a lot better again about the coaching staff for how bad things got today. And again, there were good. Um, but for for how for the, some of the lows, it was great to see again them finish. And Iberflus's whole message about finishing those games. But unfortunately, before that finish, when you have a guy like your your star linebacker who had this whole dog and pony show all offseason really affects the defense. And you saw it because once they started to find that weakness in the armor, they they were done. They were ready to keep exploiting it. And those linebackers, I mean, Morrow played better, but it just was not a great day for those linebackers yep. uh, by any stretch of the imagination. And, and you know, they got picked apart. And that's that's going to be another fun film session. Yeah, that, yeah I mean, go ahead. Go, all right. Um, Jalen Johnson had his baptism of fire in Lambeau as well. And I think that's just something that you're going to have to, to go through. And we, he did, I, I think I saw on Twitter that he didn't get targeted tonight. Um, Two games in a row. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, that shows you how, how much he's come, that Rodgers is actually actually staying away from him. Uh, and I think over time, you know, that, that's fine. And this, that they're going to develop. But like you said, they're going to make mistakes. So we need our leaders to step up. And Ultimately, you know, a lot of people when Roquan was was playing this game this summer said, you know, inside linebackers are not paid as much anymore and they're not valued as highly. And the, the people that were saying that this was the right thing to do on the Bears side were, were saying that. But when we need him to step up and stop the run game, he, he couldn't. Um, and obviously you could say that, you know, it's, it's probably not the best uh, guy to have alongside him, but the guy alongside him played better. Um, and and that's, that's not going to be good enough. Um, but the defense all around, I mean, when we look at that defensive line, there's a lot of just plug-in plug guys there that are probably not going to be there in one or two years. Uh, a lot of one-year contracts. And there's a lot. we have a long way to go there. Um, it's a, Like I said earlier, it's a defense that lost Hicks, that lost Goldman. They're going to have you know gaps in the center. The run games is probably going to go well, especially this is the best running back duo in, in the league, without a doubt. Yep. Uh, maybe Hunt, Chubb, but they're, they're, they're probably better than them. Um, and, and that's going to happen. Um, so I, I, I'm not really disappointed by anything there. Um, just the fact that, like you said, I completely agree. The leaders didn't really step up except for Eddie Jackson, who, who was absolutely brilliant. And just his energy is fantastic. I think a lot of that's to do with Brisker. 
I really do. I think Brisker has mm-hmm. created a, a kind of fire on He said he rejuvenated him. Yeah, yeah. and, and it, it seems great. And hopefully Jalen Johnson will do the same thing for Kyle Gordon this week because hope that kid gets gets looked after this week because that was that was a doing. You said that Jalen wasn't targeted because he didn't have to be targeted because Kyler was just being ripped apart. And one thing I hate about Karen, but what he's brilliant at is when he finds your weakness, he will destroy you. And he destroyed this. He decided pretty quickly that Kyler Gordon was the one, whether they did it in the in pre before the game and they decided that was it, or whether he just saw it in the fly and just kept on going there. And then he was using the run game. I totally agree with you, Evan. I think that running Joe is the best running duo in in the NFL. I'll say it again, though. My own personal opinion: Green Bay won't win the Super Bowl because they don't. They'll come up against the Chicago Bears team, which has plug-and-play guys in their defensive line. They'll come up against better defensive lines than that. And those two guys, while very, very good, will find it much more tougher. Um, I think if I'm Green Bay looking at this game, it's exactly what I thought would happen. And I shouldn't be jumping up and down because it's exactly what they should be doing. In fact, you could argue they should be putting more points on that Chicago team in their, in their eyes. I think from a Chicago Bears perspective, today was a eye-opener as to where the season could go if we're not careful. And while I was saying about we're going to open up against Houston, it really, really wouldn't surprise me. Genuinely, I know I'm contradicting what I said five minutes ago, really wouldn't surprise me if you only pass the ball 10 times because they want to win the game next week and they want to get back on the road and win the game. And, and that's something that, as fans, we need to start understanding that while we want Justin Fields to be the be-all and end-all, um, that's not what these coaching team ticket feel. Um, and the longer the season goes on, the longer they'll start questioning that. Yeah, and it's it's really going to be about what works. And, you know, if we know the running game works so far in these two games, that's that's kind of been the the one thing that when it all when all else fails and now it's going to be again for for Fields and for Getze, when you hit the wall that first time, what do you do to bounce back? And, you know, today, especially once once they stop that run two plays in a row, they kind of peeled away from it and started doing other things, but they never really kind of got their footing until they went back again to to that Montgomery power run in the third. So it, it's about that, where you can start mixing in new things, but I think for them it's going to be about the running running's going to be their comfort zone, but hopefully finding ways to then expand that and grow that. Because, again, if you go through an entire season and that's your approach and you're winning games, that's awesome. The, the front office's goal is to win games. Plain and simple. You lose, you're, you're out of here. You know, Ryan Pace won a lot of games, and it, – in a short period of time, but he also lost a lot more games because he was focused on his weird pet projects instead of winning. So that's where your point makes sense. And that if that's all they can do, that's all they're going to do. It's just a matter of now, you know, you're trying to see if this guy's your quarterback from the future. So you hope as a bears fan that that's not all they can do is just continually run, especially against teams where they should be able to open up a bit more. Obviously there's some good secondary players in Houston and it's a lovey defense. So you never know, you know, they can look like the greatest defense in the world or the worst defense in the world, uh, especially with our young pieces. Cause again, he's a master chess player and we've got some guys who are just learning to play checkers at the, at the NFL level. So it, it's, it's going to be tough there, but it'll be interesting to see off of that run game again, how they can try to grow this guy to see if he actually is your franchise quarterback, because Hey, you win nine, 10 games back your ass into the playoffs from running the ball 40, 50 times a game. Awesome. But then what do you do about the Justin Fields conundrum, you know, the next couple of years, if that's not what you do? And if you're just waiting till next year so you can get a top end wide receiver or whatever, and that's your play and you're just slow playing it and, you know, whatever. But at this point, you know, you just hope that that's not how it plays out. You hope that there is some sort of roadmap because today was a really good blueprint for where they've got to go. 
Now it's just a matter of how they take those plans and what they can build with it. You know, you mentioned Houston. I, I was actually, while you guys were talking, I went and looked at Houston's last two games because you know, they tied the Colts in week one. And they shouldn't have even been in that situation, by the way. Lovey made the most cowardly punt ever recorded in, in StatCast <laughs> history at the end of the overtime. And uh, they were up 20-3. to three. And now the Colts look awful two weeks into the season. They just got blown out by Jacksonville 24 to nothing today. But, yeah, you know, they, uh, they also just traveled to Denver, where Denver at home in the first two weeks of the season is almost unbeatable. Like I don't know if you guys remember when Chicago went there and won on the last second field goal by Pinheiro, but – I think Denver is something. Popping. Yeah, they have something like an eighty-seven to eighty-nine percent chance to win a game at home in Denver the first two weeks of the season because the elevation advantage is so stark compared to guys just who aren't used to it yet. And it's it, Houston almost won that game. That, but I that, mean, that's but that's you gotta also say the Broncos have the worst. Worst head coach, I think. Like at one stage, there was a punt team on, on the field with no person to catch the ball. Like he he is not a very good head coach. I sure. get your point. I get your point. And I think Lovey Smith will come to Chicago with loads on his brain. And I think it, it will be, and that's even more reason why I think they'll run the football and that it won't be the, the pass fest that we hope. Yeah. Um, and I think it'll be an ugly game next week. I am very confident that that will be the case. But I I, I I'm with you, Adam. I I think the the fear I the fear I have with this at the moment is that we come to the end of the season and we don't know what our quarterback is. I, I'm with that. I, I I get that. And the more the first two weeks of the season, even though it was against San Fran, you know it was against Green Bay, the first two weeks of the season points towards that being the case. And it, it makes me feel even more that Ryan Poles and 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 Der Flus has literally they're 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 looking at this as the Chicago Bears team is going to win and win and win and win. And if we find a way to do that with Whoever the quarterback is, it doesn't really matter, and I, that would be a. That's where the Bears fans need. We need to get that into our mind that that's what's coming, rather than we're going to know what Justin is at the end of this year, no matter what. And I, 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 I just fear that that. Well, it's not fear. I just think that's what's what's coming. Um, I, look, I could be totally wrong. Maybe they they're just building blocks so that they get week four, week five, week six, week seven, and they're turning it all up and ramping it all up going into that. Maybe that's going to be the case. I just lost and the if, Packers. If that's the thing. If it's like progress, if it's progressive growth, that'd be, that's great. You know, then that kind of melds all of our ideas together of, you know, they're, they're kind of doing it step, step by step, you know, let this line build up some of that chemistry, let them go run the ball, whatever. And then once they get a good feel for that, because it's uh shoot, I forget who it was. I was listening to, Oh, uh, Tom Thayer was talking about X bears, offensive lineman was talking about, um, you know, you don't need a lot of plays to be a successful offense. You just need to execute perfectly. And the the one problem that the previous regime had, the Dark Lord, um, was that they never really executed one thing great. They just did a lot of different things, thinking that that was going to suffice for execution. So it, it's about, you know, once we know we can run the ball almost perfectly, then we can start introducing the pass because if we start scrambling in the pass game, we can rely back on the one thing that we know we are better than them at every single day. So, that, I, you know, that could be what they're kind of trying to do is just gas the offense up slowly, build them up slowly. It's going to be interesting. And I think the theme of tonight's thing as we, you know, we approach an hour. So we're going to, you know, I've got one more question for everybody before we kind of put this one to bed. But I think, you know, that's that's the big theme is where do we go from here? Because it's the first true test for a lot of these young guys. First true test for the coaching staff. You know, how, do, how does our hustle will 
bring you the world mentality work when we lose a game like that? And, you know, how do the players react and everything? How does Luke Getze grow? So I, I think that's what's, you know, big coming out of this is there's a lot of things we don't know how anyone handles because they're all brand new at this job and they got they fell into a win that first week. So we were just all riding high. Like Evan said, I think in the post game, just enjoy the highs while they're there because there's not going to be a lot. And we we definitely did. But going into the next week, I'll start with you, uh, Marcus, and we'll work in reverse order. Um, you know, final thought for the show is going into next week. What's the one big thing that you're keeping an eye on to, you know, that that you're kind of either most concerned or most excited to watch how it develops over this this week leading into the Houston game? Yeah, you know, it might be a lame duck answer, but um, I just still say building on the young talent, you know, watching them grow. What As long as I see that, and of course, yes, Fields is in that mix. Um, but I mean, you're young guys. Gibson again, um, you know, obviously Gordon, Brisker, even, even the offensive line with Barum and, um, and uh, Jenkins. I mean, watching those key players, those young guys, as long as they continue to grow and develop, then, then we know we have a good foundation going forward. And again, I really, I really don't care about the wins and losses, like, you know, aside from this one, um, you know, but this one hurts a little bit. It, it does. It still stings. So, you know, as long as I continue to see that, then I'm happy. I'm content. And of course, that does coincide with the schemes and the coaching, because this is who we have. You know, this is who we have for coaches. And I do believe that they can put it together. I like the discipline and all of those things. So if that can gel together, I mean, if we have if we have young, talented players that are are developing and are making plays and we're seeing flashes and growth and all of all of the potential coming together, that's one thing. But if the coaches are making, you know, boneheaded decisions like they were with our previous regime, et cetera, then then that's another thing. Then I'll obviously be disappointed with that. So if those two things can happen and happen, you know, on a routine basis and, and we see growth and the arrows pointing up, I'll be content. Evan, what about you? Yeah, I think I think I think going into next week, the thing that I'm worried about the most right now is is, is probably Kamed and Mooney, honestly. I mean, the first two weeks have been horrific for the two of them. I was telling people all over the place to draft Kemet in their fantasy leagues. I pick him up in the last round as a flyer, and I look like an absolute idiot now. I had Kemet scoring a touchdown in my article, and that didn't happen. But, but um, Robert Quinn did get his sack, so that, that's all that matters. Um, yeah, I, I just I'm, – I'm really worried about that. I, I, whether it's them not getting open, whether it's us not scheming to them, um, I just – I'm seriously worried that they're not getting involved in our offense. Um, you know, again, it's one of these like hypothetical situations, but if you told us that they'd have minus four yards in week two against the Packers as a, as a duo, that, that would be a very scary thought. Um, and while some of these other guys are, are you know, stepping up, uh, particularly last week, um, these are the guys we want in our future. These are the guys we want in our team for many years to come, and, and we need to get them the ball. Um, so I think next week I'd love to just see them get targets. I'd love to see us just scheme just to get them the ball, whether it be a quick out or anything. Just 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 get them the ball and get them involved. Uh, we try to do that with Mooney once tonight, but we'd like to see more of that. Um, and hopefully by doing that, you would give Fields more confidence in those connections, and overall it will improve the offense. Um, but that's what I'm most worried about, I think, going forward. Yeah, and I think, you know, hopefully – confidence and scheme that goes for for Getsy too that he gets a little bit more confidence in his scheme and scheming these guys open and and realizing that he's got a lot more to work with than what he's been working with so far but you know obviously again young coach young roster there's going to be a lot of 
youthful exuberance and a lot of youthful, you know, growth pains to go in with it. But what about you, JD? I think the, the two biggest things I'll be looking for. First off, I don't know if anyone's been keeping track. This is officially Eberflus's first loss as the head coach of the Chicago Bears. He had won all the preseason games, won week no. one. Our first one. Yeah, we're not going 17-0, guys. Sorry. Um, but so it'll be interesting to see how the team responds just in general. You know, I, I hate to use like generalities like that, things that are going to be on ESPN this week, but uh, it's that's that is kind of something to see is how does this team come out next week? Do they come out flat? Do they start hot? What is what do they come out of the locker room and, and you know kick off? What does it look like? And then the next thing is just I want to see a rhythm of some sort on offense. You know, the first drive looks great, but the first drive is usually planned all week long. You know, here are my 10 plays. I'm going to go to these 10 in order, or I'm going to pick from these 10. You know, they've had time to plan those out. I want to see what a rhythm looks like. And, you know, they kind of came out of the half and got it again today after making some halftime adjustments, deciding, hey, we're going to start running the ball here and following our best, you know, tandems along the line. But some sort of rhythm where they can sit back and mix things up and really just kind of let the offense work its way out, work through some kinks. That's all I really want to see next week. I don't, I have no idea what's going to happen. Houston is much better than people are giving them credit for, especially in a division with as much chaos as the AFC South has this year. They're playing for a potential division title. And that's not a joke. It's there's a lot of question marks in that division right now. So they're not going to come out flat. They have no reason to. Um, so it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see. And I, I think the past events is definitely going to get its fair share of looks next week. Davis Mills had 37 target or 37 attempts in week one and 38 in week two or something like that. So just it, it's going to be a lot to look at and kind of take in based on tonight's outcome. Yeah, and Houston really came on strong at the end of last year, uh, really, when you know Mills took over and they started making a lot of noise and people were wondering, is this fool's gold just because nobody has tape on the guy? Or And then, you know, this year again, they come out firing and they've got some good weapons. So it, it, it's interesting over there. But what about you, Ant? I know that, you know, we're going to have a show later this week, so I'm sure there's going to be some stuff that we talk about, um, you know, going into the week. But, you know, just after what we saw this week and then going into next week, what's the one thing you're going to kind of keep an eye on the most and kind of one thing that worries you the most? I think keep an eye on is it's, that it doesn't become panic. I think that's the real important part, that this shouldn't become panic. This shouldn't be, oh, my God, it's 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 just normal bears. And that's kind of what my whole rant at the start was about, that it, it, it shouldn't become a panic scenario. Yeah, the world's um, not ending. The sky's not falling. No, There's... and this we're one-on-one, -on -one, which everyone outside Adam predicted it was going to be. Um, and I think that's, that's, that's where this team is. And next week will give us, I feel, a better barometer of where we are as a football team this year. Because if we go to Houston, and I'm, I'm with J.D., I think Houston are – I'm not even giving them credit. I think that's a that's a fair thing. We're just looking at Houston and going, what people look at Chicago, we look at we look at Houston in the exact same way. So I think that's fair. I think it's going to be Lovey Smith coming back. But I really want to hear from what our leader groups are going to be saying. I really want to hear from Roquan. I really want to hear from from Justin because he's now a leader of this of this offense. And at the end of the day, this offense did not tick. And Justin has to take some responsibility for that as well. So I want to hear what he has to say. And I, and I want to I want to see us come out next week and go, okay, we've learned from this. I want Kyler Gordon to be targeted left, right, and center next week and to, to overcome that and, and to play better. <clears throat> Those are the things I want to see. I want to see progression in that sense. And and I just want us to get back to enjoying football because as Marcus rightly said, this one stings, sings a lot. Um but that's just the way it is. That's that's what happens in these things, and we, we move on to next week. But what's really important is 
that when they come back in on Monday or Tuesday, whenever they're back in, that it's not this, oh my God, here we go again. Because the fear I have is going into Soldier Field. And if Soldier Field, if we start like we did in week one against Houston, the boos were there in week one after like not even half time. Well, they'll start again. I, that's just the worry I have that Chicago Bears fans, we just are so desperate for success. We're so desperate for our quarterback to be who we think he's going to be that we get we get a bit lost in the woods a little bit and we don't give them the patience that we probably need to give this group of players. And you, you mentioned a little bit earlier and you kind of cut yourself off, but I think you finished <clears> your thought there and I'm glad you did. Just about the, the leadership group, but more, more importantly, Justin Fields kind of getting in front of everybody and not so much taking accountability for why things didn't work, but just getting in front of the microphone and kind of answering honestly what the F is happening. You know, go up there and answer some questions about this offense and have Getze go up there. And cause the thing I'm most looking forward to, because I'm a weirdo, is the press conferences, because they've been very transparent in the things they've said so far. And I'm really interested the first week that they're going to come out with a loss and not have, you know, their magic formula work. I want to know what Matt Eberflus says and if his tone or the way that he answers things changes. I want to know whatever available coaches and players, how they answer things and the way they go about things. Because it's been very refreshing hearing them talk all offseason. And when people say, hey, you guys are people say you guys are the worst or, hey, this is what's happening. Can we get an answer? And we've generally gotten answers outside of anything medical, which is very rare, it feels like, especially for us. So to, to have that and to go into a tough loss like this. I'm really interested to see when they come out the next couple of days and what they actually say about it. Hey, you know, we saw weaknesses here or we know, are they going to be transparent like that? Or is it just going to be your typical eh, tough loss, tough loss, turn the page, we're on to Houston and totally acceptable because that's, you know, that works for some coaches, but I, I really hope that they kind of open up to us a little bit too about what they saw, yeah. because there's a lot of things that we don't know why they did it but they can put a lot of things to bed, like all the chatter about not trusting Justin. Okay, why'd you only throw 11 times? That's yep. going to be a question. Do they answer it? I don't know, but I hope that they do because I think that's going to help them a lot more, especially with that narrative that we always talk about. Silence is just going to drive the narrative into whatever direction it wants to go. So if they can sit there in front of the microphone and say, hey, listen, this is what we saw and our run game was working. We had a couple three and out, so we didn't get a lot of possessions. We wanted to pass more, but the run was the only thing working. So that's what we stuck with. I'll be a happy guy. I'm not happy that I yep. saw 11 passes, but I'm happy that they have a reason for why they did it. It's like yep. in sports. If a referee makes a mistake and then looks at you and goes, hey, I messed up. You're not happy he messed up, but you're at least happy that he's taking accountability for it. And that's that's what I'm looking for these next couple of days is is the accountability. The The thing I'm worried about is not so much a worry. It's just, you know, the I, I hope that what they've built in the offseason and what they built week one doesn't start to lose some shine after games like this because they do have a lot of young guys who this is a great thing for. And you just worry about guys like Roquan who have a bad game like this in a system where they were told you're going to go excel. You don't want your leader group then to start fracturing or anything like that. I'm not, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but you just don't want games like this to happen. And, and especially when a guy who's kind of, you know, one of your captains goes and lays a dud. And then, you know, if they go, if something bad happens next week and that starts to, to steamroll because, you know, there's not a lot of veteran leadership on this team. So if he starts to say something, it's the equivalent of, you know, you bring in a young coach, a veteran rolls his eyes, and then the young guys, who are they going to side with? The coach or the veteran. So yeah. so you kind of hope that the trust in the coaching staff and the trust in their system and everything else doesn't start to wear off. 
because, you know, they start losing a couple of games or anything like that. So that's part of I think that ties a lot into the answers, though. You know, in these interviews, if they can have a good, tangible interview where you feel better with the answers coming out of it, I don't think you lose anybody. And that's where I think they lost a lot of people in the previous time again is the silence. And then people are like, well, what's going on with this? Well, I don't know. It's the first time I heard of it. And, you know, with Tevin Jenkins, the drama sp spiraling out in the media and then uh, Ryan Poles flat out saying, I messed that up. I should have went and talked to him. How easy of a fix that is. But how many GMs in the league do you have that say, hey, I effed up. I made a mistake. I need to do it better. And, you know, by all accounts, he has. And he's talked to talked to the big guy every step of the way since then. So it, it's really interesting, the, the communication, where all that goes. Obviously, a tough loss for all of us. Uh, you know, we, we were feeling, I don't want to say super confident going into it, but we were feeling good about what we saw and where we were going. Obviously, somewhat of a humbling game, but like you've pointed out, Ann, there were some things to take away. Even when it got super dark, they went and flipped the lights back on and made it a game at the end. Unfortunate couple calls that were missed that did they or didn't they change things. They definitely took some points off the board, but you kind of hope that that's not something that in the future, when this team starts to develop more, something you're relying on because, you know, you're up three touchdowns, so who cares about that six points? But, you know, yeah. it's definitely unfortunate that something like that can go and change a game like that because it's a literal matter of inches that is either the best call or the worst call ever. So, you know, one of those things that you hope you wipe from 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 needing to, you know, go the right way. But again, that's a game that was kind of lost on a lot of different directions, whether, you know, the youth, the defense, the referees, the the whatever, um, just a game that you can take a lot of stuff and grow from. But I want to thank all of you guys for joining us. Ant, you're a freaking warrior, my friend. <laughs> Evan and Marcus, thank you so much for coming on and joining us in this group therapy session we've had tonight. Of course, as I mentioned a little bit ago, we're going to have our regular podcast. I believe it's Wednesday this week. Um, yeah, it should be. On Wednesdays, 3 p.m. Central Time. Uh, we'll be right here on YouTube. So you can watch us over here. We'll have a better breakdown of some of the stuff we saw today. We'll take a look at some tape and everything else. We'll have some reactions from interviews, quotes, everything else to see kind of what went down last week and what is coming up next week. But of course, down but not out. I'll say that before this next part because we are always down but never out. All we can say here at the Irish Bear Show until next time is bear down. Bear down.